This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Okay. <laughs> what was wrong with that solo? There was something horribly wrong with that solo, and what was wrong with it was right as soon as it was my turn to solo, I came out of the gate just playing um, as many notes as possible, just trying to fill up as much space as possible, and guess what? It, it probably sounded boring, probably didn't you know, spell out the chord changes as well as, as I could have. It just didn't sound that musical. It was just a lot of notes, regardless of whether they're the right notes or not. So the big question is, how do we develop really, really awesome jazz solos? Well, that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're not going to do what I just did. We're going to make really awesome jazz solos that sound great. Let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. And not the kind of musician that plays solos like that, right? I mean, this is my entire goal of, of course, the show, but, you know, especially this episode is, hey, how do we make really good sounding solos that actually build and tell a story that develop? And I don't know if you can relate with what just happened there in the intro. Like, how many times have you been to a jam session or maybe you was even just by yourself practicing and as soon as it's time to solo, you just started trying to play all your ideas, all your licks, all the fanciest stuff you know. Maybe you felt a little bit anxious and tense, and so you just started playing notes and notes. And, you know, it's kind of like that feeling where you, you're not very good with silence. Like, silence becomes awkward silence between you and another individual. You have to fill up the space with talking or else it starts getting weird. Well, we don't want our solos to sound like that. We want them to speak. We want them to breathe. And so we're going to be going over a very step-by-step -step process from a very beginner's perspective on how to start doing this. It's going to be really great. Now, before we jump into the show today, just want to say that, hey, coming up very soon is Learn Jazz Live 2021. So excited. It is our virtual summit on February 27th to the 28th. We have some incredible speakers that are going to be there. I'm talking the likes of the great Jamie Abersold, like the, 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 the master of jazz education, the, the granddaddy, the king of jazz education. We have Bob Reynolds. We have Amy Nolte. We have Jeff Schneider. We have uh, Quist. We have Mike Casey. We have 20 speakers, just amazing speakers. I'll be there too. I'll be speaking as well. I have a really awesome keynote presentation that I know you're going to love. So if you want to sign up for Learn Jazz Live 2021, go to learnjazzlive.com, Learn Jazz Live. 
Bitcoin.com. And if you're listening to this in real time, you know, prices are about to go up pretty soon. So definitely take advantage of that right now. If you're someone who doesn't live in North America, you're worried about time zone stuff. Don't worry. If you get an all access pass, you get access to all the recordings and also, you know, We'll have it open for you ahead of time so that, you know, you can get a head start uh, from all the North American folks. Okay, so no excuse. LearnJazzLive.com. All right, that's enough business. Let's jump right into how do we start developing really awesome jazz solos. All right. Okay. So we are going to be uh, starting to develop a jazz solo from like just square one, a beginner perspective here. And we're going to be using a B flat jazz blues song form. Blues is always a great song form to work with, especially when we're trying to work in new concepts such as this. So just really quickly, what are the chords for a B flat blues? Just to make sure we're all on the same page. We have the one chord. That's the B flat seven. And the four chord is in E flat seven. And then two bars of the B flat seven to the four chord E flat seven. The sharp four diminished, which is E diminished seven, back to the one chord. And then we do a dominant six chord, we'll call this a secondary dominant. Two, the two, which is C minor seven. And the five chord, which is F seven, and then B flat seven. Usually some kind of turnaround, like a one, six, two, five. Okay? So those are the chords we're working with. Okay, step number one. Step number one is I want to just start with a rhythm, okay? A very, very simple rhythm, okay? And the rhythm that I want to start with is going to be essentially just two eighth notes on B, uh, on the one and, and the and of one. So it's going to be da-da, 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 okay? Really simple rhythm. And here's the thing. I want it to just be one note, okay? Just one note, only one note. Now, what this is called essentially is rhythmic motific development. Uh, A a motif is really just repeating an idea, like repeating the same idea, um, but changing it just a little bit, right? And this is part of the development process. So motific development is something you'll hear a lot of jazz educators talk about. So this is it kind of like starting to, to, to come to life here. So let's go ahead and start up this B-flat blues backing track. And I'm going to improvise one chorus of the B-flat blues using this rhythm, the da-da, da-da, right? And I'm only going to use one note per chord, okay? One note per chord. Let's check it out. And actually, let's switch that to one note per uh, one note per bar instead of one note per chord. It gives us a little bit more freedom, okay? Let's do it. Uh, start from the beginning. Okay, so just one note solos there, uh, one per bar. Um, so very simple so far. We're basing everything off of just one one simple rhythm, just those two eighth notes, and then one note per bar, mostly one note per chord. Now, one question you might be asking is, okay, great, so I get that we can start with just a simple rhythm and just one note. 
However, like what note choices were you making? Um, and that would be important, right? Because one of the things that we want to do is we want to be outlining those chord changes in our playing. Right? So we want to hear all those chords happening without really any accompaniment. So the first note that I played over the B flat seventh chord was, okay, that is a D natural, which is the third of B flat seven. Okay, so if I have very few note choices to work with, I'm going to start thinking about what I call the guide tones, which are the thirds and the sevenths. So just really quick beginner's guide here. If we have a B flat dominant seventh chord, the formula is root, major third, fifth, flat seven. Right? So, the the guide tones, like I said, are the third and then the seventh. So those are the two notes that really are gonna make the chord stand out more than the root and the fifth. So that's why I'm picking those. I didn't only choose those though, if you're paying attention. So I started with, okay, that's a third, and then we went to the E flat seventh, and I did play the third. Then, I resolved up a half step to the B flat seven, right? then up to the root. Then I think I went back to the third of the E flat seven. And then I may have gone to the double flat seven there on the diminished seventh chord. And then you may have also heard me play uh, flat nine over the sixth chord, right? That's a really great thing to do when you have any kind of dominant seventh chord that is resolving to either a minor seventh chord or even a major seventh chord is to alter it some way. And so the flat nine is a good one. So just log that into your brain as that's a good tension note. I think I resolved it down to the third of that two chord of the C minor seventh. Okay, so mostly what we have here are thirds and sevenths with a few other notes, like the root and fifth, we did squeeze in there a little bit, but we have that tension flat nine note that I utilized over the dominant sixth chord. So those are just some ideas to get you started. So let's now expand that rhythmic motif here. Uh, so at first we have da da two, three, four, da da two, three, four. Now let's add the and of four. So da da two, three, four, and da da two, three, four, and da da two, three, four, and da da. Okay. So let's now improvise uh, with that. But here's the rule we're still going to go with one note with the one and, but on the and of four, it has to be a different note that resolves to the one and note. Does that make sense? And if it doesn't, let's listen to this and hopefully it will become clear. Cool. So you saw that we added that extra note there with the and of four. So we did a lot of chromatic approaches to the thirds there, right? Okay, that was just a half step above. So that's the note choices I was using to fit it into that rhythm, right? You heard how I did that on the four chord as well. 
Doesn't that sound good, right? Just chromatic approaches. Chromatic meaning just it's outside of the key, right? Just think of it as a half step away from the note that we are quote-unquote targeting, right? In that case, is the third. There is another point where I chromatically from a half step approached the flat seven there of the diminished seventh chord that we have there. Uh, sometimes what I also did too was whole step approaches down. So at one point, I think I approached the seventh of the one chord of B flat seven from a whole step up. So we actually had the root went down, right? Right? So we can start kind of creating some tension and resolution with those approach notes. And we use this all in the context of rhythm. And that's something that I really want to hone in on today, is we often neglect rhythm. We often talk about melody and harmony, but we don't think about rhythm. And rhythm is really an important, important, important part of developing a solo and being a great musician, okay? So that's why we're kind of thinking about everything from the context of rhythm, and then we're adding our note choices. So hopefully you kind of get a rough idea of some of the note choices and where they're coming from, half-step and whole-step approaches to a target note. Okay, but this is a pretty basic rhythm here. So let's start going a step further. So now let's change the rhythm to da do da di da da do da di da da do da di da to da do da di da da do da di da okay so what i want to do is i want to compose a line that moves in an upward direction okay upward meaning from a lower note up to a higher note so let's try this yeah let's do that okay that's over top of the one chord. So, da, do, da, di, da, right? And in case you're curious about what those notes are, I start on the root, believe it or not. Then we do that chromatic approach to the third, right? That's that note right there is the third of B flat seven. That's a D natural. Then we go to the fifth. And then we land on the 13th. That's an extension, right? But it's a very nice bluesy sound, right? Nice bluesy, jazzy sound. Okay, so that's my motif, and it's moving in an upward direction in pitch. So, first of all, let's try to apply that exact same rhythmic, exact same melodic intervallic content over the four chord, right? So we have... Right? Exact same notes, just transposed to E flat. So back to the one chord. And then we have to figure out how do we play this over top of the diminished seventh chord. Okay. That's the equivalent of that over diminished seventh chord, right? We have to change up the intervallic shape a little bit because it's diminished seventh chord rather than a dominant seventh chord, but it's still the same idea. Okay, so we got... Uh,
we have... Okay, that's over top of the dominant sixth chord. Same intervallic relationship, right? Just transposed to a G7, because that's the sixth chord. Then we have a minor seventh chord, so we have to change the intervallic shape a bit. Right? So it, it, it's similar, right? All of them are similar to each other. So let's play that with a backing track just so we can hear what that sounds like. I changed up the last note at the end there for a second. That's kind of a little sneak peek into what's to come here. So now, as you may have noticed, it, this isn't entirely in and of itself musical, right? Um, but we're setting the stage for starting to develop a solo. And part of that is feeling like we can transpose a melodic and rhythmic idea to another chord properly, right? Because we need to develop something. We started simple with just a few notes, understanding how to approach notes, understanding how to take a simple rhythm. Now we have a more complex rhythm, if you will, da, do, da, di, da, right? And we have different notes here. One, two, three, four, five notes, right? Okay. So when we start dealing with more notes, it, we have to start thinking about, well, how do we apply that same thing over top of another chord? So using this as an exercise, as a practice, creating your own little melodic and rhythmic motif like that, and starting to apply that over top of other chords, that's kind of the next step in the direction we want to start going to, to develop this solo, okay? So now we've taken a carbon copy, so I could call it a carbon copy, of a musical idea, a motif, if you will, and applied it over to the different chord changes to a blues. Now another thing we can start doing is start thinking about adding two ideas that complement each other to the song form. So we have one motif that's going up. And what if we can come up with another motific idea that descends right over the next chord over the four chord okay let's try that so and i'm actually going to descend down that second b flat seven because in a real solo we're not going to do that right we're not going to go Right? That sounds like an exercise. So I want to create another descending line that is similar to the one we did over top of the uh, whoops, over the four chord and apply that to the one chord as well. So we have Okay, so It's not the exact same carbon copy of the four chord motif, but that's okay because we're really trying to get into this new zone of not necessarily copying exactly what we just did, but altering it just a little bit. 
end it almost just plays that first motif backwards and so it really is going to sound familiar to the ears and that's what we want for our audience is to create a sense of familiarity so let me just kind of walk through this using this idea so the one chord right so now we're going up that four chord and actually I believe it's that's actually the one we hit the 13th at the end Uh, let's let's just go right down the arpeggio that makes a lot of sense for that sharp or diminished let's see what are we going to do here I don't like that so much. Let's change it up with the sixth chord a little bit. So we're... Okay, I'll tell you what I just did there. That descending motion. I started by hitting that flat nine. Remember we did the single note improv? I hit that flat nine. I said that was a nice tension note. So I'm going to start with that. It's almost like I'm walking down a diminished, uh, a diminished arpeggio, but we have that uh, this root note in there, the G natural, and I land on the third. Ooh, right, landing on the thirds. Really good idea. Remember, that's what I was doing with the one note soloing. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so descending motion. So. Okay, so now let's go up that minor seventh chord, the two chord. And we're going to do that same, or the five chord, that same descending motif we did on the four chord. Okay, then we'll end on the one chord. Let's give that a try. And let's hear what it sounds like with the backing track. So we're starting to make a little bit of progress here with our solo. It still sounds a little bit robotic, right? Like we're just trying to plug and play different ideas, but we're starting to exercise that muscle a little bit. We understand how we can carbon copy different ideas, but we're also understanding how we can create two different motific ideas, one that goes ascending in motion and one that goes ascending in motion. We're also learning that good note choices have to do with landing on those important chord tones like the thirds, like the sevenths. At the same time, it's completely acceptable to really add tension with a flat nine or a sharp nine, those different notes, especially when we're talking about dominant seventh chords. Okay, so the next thing I want to start doing is opening up the improv a little bit more freely on the rhythmic side. However, because we want to keep a theme of an idea here, um, I want to add something to the original rhythm we were doing. So, da, do, ba, do, da, right? Okay, but now I want to add, uh, going into the next bar, a, a dotted 
quarter in an eighth note. So it's going to be dot do body dot dot dot, right? Dot do body dot dot dot. Okay, so that's a very jazzy bluesy rhythm right there. So very very classic. So I think that's going to sound like this in the context of this B flat one chord. All right, I'm going to do a little. It's very go a little walk in there. So I think the main theme here is we have a note that goes up ascending high, then it really jumps down to a lower interval. In this case, it actually goes back down to the first starting note of the motif, which is the root. And then I end on the third there. And what I want to do with my improvising here is not necessarily worry about playing the exact intervalic formula, but what I want to do is make sure that I'm hitting that dotted quarter note in the eighth note, and I want to make sure that whatever it is, when I hit that dotted quarter note, that it's an intervalic leap downward in motion. Okay? Does that make sense? So without the backing track here, I might start imagining what that could be like. Something like that. Let's just do it with the backing track, see what I can come up with, and see if that adds anything to it. was exactly a formula there however you could hear theme and variation there call and response right that's kind of what we're really going for okay let's do one more thing to developing this solo here and that is add a little bit of space okay a little bit of space because right now we are filling up the space pretty good and yes we did have that dotted quarter note and the eighth note but i want to leave a little bit of room just so that we can listen and allow ourselves to respond as if in a conversation. And the only way I can really do that is by experimenting a little bit with the backing track going. So let me just experiment and see what comes out when I'm trying this. breathing space in between each phrase and also you noticed a few different moti motifs there that I was actually working with. I think in the second chorus I was like 
right? So I started really messing with that descending whole steps idea. Uh, something like that, right? So quick review here to conclude this episode. So we kind of started with just a very simple rhythm. We started with the rhythm before we even started thinking about notes, because rhythm is a really important part about thinking about developing a motif. And then we only used one note per chord or one note per bar to keep things really simple. And I used the thirds and sevenths as good resolving points. Then we expanded a little bit the rhythm of the motif and added an extra approach note. Okay, So we're starting to create some jazz style language going on and different movement in our melodic idea. Then we went ahead and we we started taking longer motific ideas. In this case, we did a five-note one, and we did a carbon copy of that exact same idea over the different chord changes, just so that we knew we were able to repeat that idea exactly, transpose it exactly. Gets us headed the right direction. And then what we started to do, we started messing around with doing different directions, you know, ascending versus descending. And also getting a little bit creative with our note choices too. Not always having to be the exact same intervallic formula, but the essence of it. Finally, we kind of ended with using a little bit of space in our motific ideas. We did that by adding rhythm, a different rhythm to it, like the quarter note, the dotted quarter note, and the eighth note. And then we also started going, okay, we can take one motific idea and then move to the next one as long as we keep building off that theme and variation. So hopefully this gives you some ideas. And my challenge for you is to spend a little bit of time in your next practice session messing around with one of these concepts that I talked about today and see what it starts doing for you in your jazz solos. All right, that's all for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate you uh, tuning in today, and I hope that you learned something today from today's episode. And as always, I hope more than just learning something that you take action on something. Because without action, do you really even know it, right? Do you, have you ever really learned anything if you don't actually apply it? That's something I want to challenge you to think about today. Uh, like I said at the beginning of the episode, uh, we do have Learn Jazz Live 2021, our virtual summit, coming up on February 27th through the 28th. Prices are going up soon if you're listening to this in real time. So please do get your ticket as soon as possible. Uh, that's going to be at learnjazzlive.com. By the way, if you ever thought about becoming a LJS Inner Circle member, uh, we do have a great deal going on with uh, Learn Jazz Live 2021. It's our Gold Pass ticket, which essentially gets you a free Learn Jazz Live ticket when you sign up for annual Inner Circle membership. So you can also check that out at learnjazzlive.com. All right, I do appreciate you guys so much. We're going to be coming out with another great episode of the show next week. Until then, happy practicing and cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.